You're listening to WEHC 90.7. This is Art Speaks, a production of the William King Museum of Art, your free local art museum open seven days a week in Abingdon, Virginia. I'm here today with the artist Erin Fitzgerald. How are you? I'm doing good today. It's a lovely spring, fall thing. <laughs> it's a lovely spring day in yeah. mid-September. It feels like spring, but it like because I love summer, but it's a fall, and it's making me kind of upset. Yeah. So, Erin, to get us started today, tell us what kind of artist are you? I am currently on the journey to figure that out. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. we are clueless right now but it's probably the post-grad existential crisis that everyone gets that's the stage I'm in right now I like Mm -hmm. had what two two and a half maybe years painting and I was like oh yeah I'm a freaking painter then I bought a camera to take a picture of those paintings and now I'm freelancing as a videographer for the Atelier 133 gallery or the Fishman Gallery Mm -hmm. it's at the Atelier 133 but it's called the Fishman Gallery and the Reese Museum on campus that I used to work for under federal work study for like three years so um yeah I don't know (laughs) (laughs) and apparently a a social media has proven to be a powerful tool so I'm studying social media and the algorithm and specifically digital media marketing Mm-hmm. So I'm also looking at that. So I have no clue what I am. <laughs> You're a myriad of things. I am something. <laughs> You're an, an octopus with many hands and different yeah, media. Yeah, and right? that's, that's exactly what I want to be. It's yeah. Like more tools in your tool belt. I think maybe that's um, what's necessary in today's world as a young emerging artist. Though, oh, isn't for it? sure. The times have changed. Uh, uh, people, I remember when I first came to college, I did not know exactly what I wanted to be. But I graduated under an art degree in high school because I was just never interested in anything else, honestly. I was never interested in anything else. So I was was like a doy. My uh, best friend needed a roommate (laughs) at ETSU. And I said, okay, ETSU sounds cool. (laughs) Let me go down. I didn't even research it. Mm -hmm. I didn't research any college. I didn't even really. I planned on going to college, but I didn't know how to get into college. I wasn't taught. I think my mom tried to teach me, but... We were just, family life at home was not okay, so I was never taught about college, but I knew I needed to go into it. So I was just like, all right, art. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when did you first realize that you were an artist? Uh, So funny enough, the earliest memory I had, like remember when I told you earlier about Inside and Out? Mm -hmm. Inside Out, that Pixar, I think it was Pixar, right? That Pixar movie. That was I watched that movie like three times, so I always reference it. The core memories. So one of my core memories of being an artist was I was in kindergarten, and I believe I was sitting alone at a cafeteria table at East Lincoln Elementary School. It's in Tullahoma, Tennessee, a very small like little school. And I remember there was a mural on the cafeteria wall. It was a gigantic mural, like fruits and vegetables, and they were like cartoony. And I remember it was gigantic because I was a kindergarten. I was like six, so I remember I looked at that wall. And I remember I had a kindergarten teacher. She had really frizzy red hair. I forgot her name, it was so long ago, but I call her Miss Frizzle in my head because she was an important piece. And so Miss Frizzle sat down in front of me because I think I was alone, and she brought me... She brought herself a piece of paper and a pencil, and she showed me how to draw a princess. And I remember that princess. It's burned in my head. Like, it was a U-shaped, two lines, another U-shape. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It was, like, very – like, she showed she showed that to me. And I remember I was like <gasps> – because I think I was an artsy kindergartner. 
very like creative and weird and no one ever taught me how to draw. So it was my first time being taught. And I remember I was, I was obsessed with Miss Frizzle. I think since that day, I was very close to her. I was on her hip. Um, that's the only kind of memory I had of her. She kind of took me under her wing in school because I was a very troubled toddler. I got kicked out of three preschools. <laughs> really? I got kicked out of three preschools. I was a very, very troubled toddler. And it was such a small town, I got kind of known as that toddler. (laughs) And I was diagnosed, my mom took me to the hospital, I was diagnosed developmentally delayed and ADHD. Mm -hmm. So I got held back a grade and everything because the school system, I get, it was just not for me. Like I was a, um, a kid would bite me and I would bite them back. 10 times harder and then I would get in trouble type deal. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I did not, I would not go and cry. I would bite you back mm-hmm. and then I would get in trouble and I'm already labeled as a crazy toddler. Mm-hmm. So that was like my whole like toddler stage. So Miss Frizzle really took me on her wing mm-hmm. and I was, I either was at the drawing board or like cutting my hair somewhere. <laughs> I yeah. was a very troubled kid. <laughs> She's like, don't cut your hair and I'm like, but it looks cool. <laughs> I was I was crazy little kid, ain't gonna mm-hmm. lie. I have so many little stories. My dad is impressively creative, mm-hmm. but he's the type of creative that you see in his day-to-day how he works. He used to wake me up at like 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning when I was a kid, and I would go to work with him. He was a contractor. He did tiles and showers and carpets and like mm-hmm. literally building things. He built, uh, me and my sister were at in a play for Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. And he built the tiny piano. Oh, wow. It was human-sized, tiny Charlie Brown piano. It looked beautiful on stage. And I think it's still in their prop kind of vault. But he is impressively creative. But he never made that his thing. So I think that really, like, kind of got into me as well just by mm-hmm. watching him work mm-hmm. and ha- watching him and joining in him sometimes through hands-on things. Like, I would play with concrete. <laughs> I put my hands in the concrete bucket Mm -hmm. and would take it out. It's like this soupy sand, very thick. Mm -hmm. And I would smash it into a sloppy ball. And then it would dry. And it would be like a bowling ball. And I made bowling ball and pins one time with Mm -hmm. concrete. Wow. (laughs) And just throw it the next day. Like, I was just kind of like clay. But it would, like, dry instantly. It's concrete. I feel like um, so many people I talk to have this, like, internal need for creation. Mm -hmm. And that just manifests itself sometimes really early. Or it's like the art, like, making the art is, like, a need for certain people. And maybe for everyone, but maybe what that art takes form as is changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, art has always been, like, a part of my life. Like, when Mm -hmm. I um, talked about being a troubled kid, that branched off until junior year in high school. Mm -hmm. I was in, technically... I was in CDC courses. I was in special education courses. Mm -hmm. And it was very hard, elementary school, because every time a kid would have a temper tantrum, since I was ADHD labeled, you know, that bad kid, Mm -hmm. every time I would have a temper tantrum, they would send me to the special education classroom instead of figuring it out with me in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Every time I went to the special needs classroom, was sent there most likely, mostly every day. The teacher did not want to deal with me. Yeah. I would be under the table. Mm-hmm. I remember it was a giant sheet, and I would draw under that table all day in school. All day. I would draw under that tablecloth. And then the, 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 the teachers were amazing. The special education teachers, they're the most, like, 
special type of people that we need in this world. And they taught me as best they could, but I wasn't very, like, educated book-wise mm-hmm. very well. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of had a free course <laughs> yeah. creating all the time, so I don't really mind that. <laughs> did you do um, art in high school? Yes, yeah. I did a lot of art in high school. Mm-hmm. I did a, I think I did three large-scale mural pieces for my high school, and it, they were all, like, Two of them were bobcats, and the other one I was repainting the ROTC mural, going over it, cleaning it up and stuff. So that mm-hmm. was a fun experience. Didn't get paid for it because <laughs> yeah. I was in high school. <laughs> but I did get <laughs> my first time getting money was actually got a police report written up because someone stole my artwork that I was going to send to a scholarship. Mm-hmm. She drew over it, cut it up, and signed her name on it. And I, oh, and I, t- and I got a police report, and that was my first time <laughs> making money off my art. Because I told her she had to pay the minimum amount for that scholarship because I swore I could have gotten it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good for you. I'm ser- I was serious about my art. Like, I wasn't very certain about myself, me-wise, but I knew my art, like, you're not going to mess with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was going to get a scholarship with that one. I worked so hard for it. <laughs> so what was it like when you started art at ETSU? It was one of those ambition, ambitious, bushy-tailed type feelings when you walk into like an actual studio Mm -hmm. so ETSU has a beautiful art department that's like a gigantic playground and I'm fresh off campus so it's like a gigantic playground I remember I took a digital media student up there one time because she was showing me the digital media department because I was like I want to see the digital media department I love digital media work that's how I mostly started as a kid I was like on the internet as a kid Mm -hmm. like I was on the forums and tumblr and anime and rpg sites i met my best friend off one of those sites her name's india shout out to india pete we were best friends (laughs) since 12 we met online and we realized that we both lived in tennessee Mm -hmm. (laughs) we were like really good friends still Mm -hmm. i was all i was all over all that Mm -hmm. all over it the reason why i bring that is because when i brought that digital media student into the she was like oh my god like it's like amazing in here because I in there in their department I was like oh my god it's amazing in here Mm -hmm. and we were like from two separate worlds under the same umbrella Mm -hmm. and so in her eyes I kind of saw um what I saw when I first came into college oh yeah that bright eyed oh my god it's a gigantic playground of things I can play with that I didn't get in my small hometown in Tullahoma Tennessee Shelbyville and Bellbuckle and Murfreesboro area Mm because my family was all separated but I went to high school in Tullahoma very small town. Very small. So did you know that you wanted to do mostly painting when you started in college? Or did you kind of discover, like, did you get to try a lot of different media? So in high school, I did watercolor gouache. Gouache? Gauche, yeah. Gauche. I haven't mm-hmm. said it in such a long time. Gauche. Mm-hmm. I, I, my art teacher, Mr. Peach, he gave me a gauche, a gauche set. And I did color pencil on top of watercolor it would be pencil, watercolor, and colored pencils on top of it. So I just came in with, ooh, I like color, I like watercolor, I like drawing. And that's how I started. And then it, and then I took Core Studio 2 and 1 with John Hilton and another professor, I can't remember. And that made, he gave me acrylic set sophomore year. I hated acrylic. I absolutely hated acrylic. It did not blend well, like watercolor. It was bad. And I didn't know at the time that gauche was like paint and watercolor. And that's what oil painting becomes when you use solvents and gauche thinning out. It kind of turns to like a watercolor. 
And so I picked up oil painting fairly like well because of that relation to my Goshen and set that Mr. Peach gave me. So I was just, it kind of like clicked for oil painting. So I was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to take the same painting course three times. And I did. And I took more painting courses and I focused everything on painting because I wanted to be just like the old masters on the screen in our history class. That was Mm -hmm. my main inspiration at the time. I said, I want to paint like them. I want to work academically uh, and learn from the masters who made painting what it is Mm -hmm. and learn from them first. So that's what I did. Yeah, so a lot of the like academic, French academic painters used really thinned oil Mm -hmm. paints too. Like watercolor. Like watercolor. (laughs) Yeah, and they would layer it and they would work really, really long time on there Mm -hmm. um, building up those pieces. Yeah. Which I think people, a lot of people don't realize about oil. And actually, I don't know if I've met many artists who prefer that form of oil painting these days because, I mean, a lot of artists you might know, like the Impressionists kind of came out of like pushing against that academic Mm -hmm. tradition. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I learned that here in modernism and our history of modern art and once I learned that I'm like then how come I was still influenced by these figures in art you know what I mean I don't think every artist should do this but I think it's a great step into the world of arts it's literally the first step or one of the first steps in art history and it's like a respect to that history, kind of learning that style of painting. Like, mm-hmm. And it's not saying like it's the best form painting or that's how art should look like. And that's what, you know, you said Impressionism. That's what they're pushing. Yeah. Because people were saying that's what art was supposed to look like. And as artists, no. But, <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. That's Because mm-hmm. art's not supposed to look like anything. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't necessarily take that part of history away. I, I feel like it's every academic artist should learn that step beginning in every art stage. Mm-hmm. That's literally the first step in history. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's, I mean, yeah, I think like the, the push against academicism in the 1800s was about um, the freedom of artists to create mm-hmm. the kind of art that they want to make. Mm-hmm. It was also about naturalism mm-hmm. in a way. And it wasn't like maybe what we'd call today like natural beauty standards, but like for trees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. important. Both both those instances, like Mm -hmm. growth growing as artists and the culture and like the movements, they're all needed. They're all relevant. Like right now I'm studying um self studying or kind of reading a book about the Bay Area figure figurative art movement mm-hmm. where it was kind of like a reverse it's like they in san francisco they were so focused on the um abstract you know just branch off your mind they weren't focused on the figure anymore and here these artists come they're like marching back like ah figure painting and they're like no no figure painting we were done with that and it's like yeah. we were always back and forth as a community or gigantic in the art world but no matter what, like, there's an appreciation for every movement because that's just the baby art community growing mm-hmm. into what it is today and what it's going to be in the future. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there's such a need for arts and, like, something not, not easily recognized, I think, when you're not immersed in them. But mm-hmm. arts are around us constantly, and there's a desire and a need and a fulfillment to be found in a lot of different styles. Some people would call um, postmodern artists in general to be people returning to a more realistic form mm-hmm. of representation some people would fight you for saying that, but I've heard people call them say, I'm a postmodernist. People will fight for anything. Yeah. I remember 
generations that are ahead of us right now. You remember mm-hmm. when they were talking about Generation Z and millennials? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so sensitive. Oh, they complain. Oh, they're not working hard enough. You know what I mean? The reason why I bring that up, everyone since that generation and since this is mm-hmm. going to fight about something. And the only reason why our millennials or Gen Z have been called sensitive or like, you know what I mean? It's because... I think it art movements and art history I think could be described like music movements mm-hmm. like people who would like listen to like rock and roll and like sting or something and be right. like this was the greatest moment of music whereas other people will say like I would say right now in no sense because we have so many diverse music genres mm-hmm. at, and so much access to them we're in like this moment of music that's just like excels everything before it mm-hmm. tremendously mm-hmm. but someone will say these kids these days listen to crazy music. Oh, the next yeah. generation says kids these days listen to crazy music. Yeah. And it's, that's not even recent art history. That's like all of art history. Mm-hmm. Like what You're are these kids right. doing? You're right. Yeah. Well, especially modernism. People are picking, choosing movements, see which one's better. But it's like now we're at a point uh, in 2022, as mm-hmm. of now, where we're so diverse and there's so many ways to make money now as an artist that mm-hmm. the starving artist isn't really a thing anymore it's just the problem is now is the art world standards are a little skewed at the moment everyone has a different standard what makes an artist you mm-hmm. have the old classical like don't sell out don't do this da, 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 da. and then you have commercial artists crafts artists but they're all under the umbrella of artists mm-hmm. but the art world is still fighting um, what a true artist is you know mm-hmm. what I mean and that doesn't work out for a lot like for me for example I'm from I was born in Shelbyville, Tennessee. How am I going to end up at the MoMA? <laughs> what, what's the username? Let's use um, Didi. I'll call her Didi. Mm-hmm. As a Didi was born in um, California, and she got to be able to get a job at 16 mm-hmm. as a coffee runner for the animators at Cal, or Cal Arts. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not going to be able to make it to where I want to be faster than Didi. Mm-hmm. But there are ways to get there. And social media and, you know, everything that's happening, like, in the digital world or everything, you know, that's happening, that's growing, that the art world's trying to fight against, has brought even someone born in Shelbyville, Tennessee, to two major cities as an artist. Mm-hmm. That used to be impossible, what, five years ago? <laughs> or, yeah. or, what, in 2014? Absolutely impossible. Yeah. And it's really cool. And I think we should all really focus on that as a community, especially Mm -hmm. in this area. I'm not from Johnson City. I only stay here for school. But I still like to be a part of the community while I'm here because I'm a currently based artist. Mm -hmm. So anywhere I go is important. And as a community, social media is important. (laughs) It is. It's Mm -hmm. it's like a... There's something of like the great unifier, Mm -hmm. I think, is what people expected from like the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Currently, I am trying to unify... Um, artists through social media and discord and everything Um, and all right now they are kind of my age in that area because I'm trying to get they're the easiest to commute Mm -hmm. and gather together but um, I'm definitely trying to leave at least a little mark for John City to kind of come back from Mm pre-COVID pre-COVID it was everything was set in place COVID happened and it crushed Mm -hmm. I feel John City as a city, <laughs> not even our community anymore. As a college student at John City, it's going back up. 
Mm-hmm. It's getting back up, but we need some help. <laughs> it seems like the arts movement is kind of growing in Johnson City because, like, it used mm-hmm. to be what, what what I've heard from a few people on the show is it used to be like, oh, you want to be an artist, you got to get out of here, right? <laughs> yeah. And now there's people who are purposefully trying to stay, to stay mm-hmm. and trying to grow grow you know, where you're planted mm-hmm. and as an artist. Yeah. Do you see that kind of increase happening, like, among young people, among art oh, scene Oh, for there? sure, yeah. yeah. I had a lot of peers that wanted to stay in this area. It's a beautiful area. Mm-hmm. You have the Appalachians, you have the Blue Ridge, you know, the Blue Ridge Mountains, you have the bluegrass music, and there's so much culture here that I love to explore through my freelance work at the galleries, like the train station or the bluegrass uh bluegrass group. I definitely see that. People are definitely staying in John City. And what about you long term? Long term, right now I am planning on getting internships with a focus. When I mentioned I'm working on uh, digital media marketing, Mm -hmm. creative digital media marketing, I have to relocate because there's a great digital marketing team here but I want a, a specific culture. I'm such a dancer. My main inspirations are like Vogue and, um, uh, you know, the night scene and kind of the lights life. Like, uh, John City such a small town. The only kind of way I felt like life in the small amount of time I had to enjoy it, because, you know, I was, I was in school and I was working around like two jobs and I was just going every day. I didn't really have a big time span to, you know, hike up a mountain mm-hmm. and enjoy life that way. So I went out and I got to enjoy dancing and sweating and living by just moving my body and self-expressing it in that way. And I was like, I need to go to a city that has a hub of life because I my the way that I'm working right now it's very like on. So <laughs> I'm like, I need to go to a hub. Like John City, slow. It's a little slow in the best way possible. <laughs> like it is. Like when I say slow, it's not a bad thing. People enjoy slow lifestyles. Some people thrive in slow lifestyles. And I'm a crazy one that got kicked out of three preschools. <laughs> so I need to go. I need to, I need to, I feel like I've grown kind of my edge, mm-hmm. my barriers here. Maybe your username should be Aaron Three Preschools. Yeah, Aaron Three Preschools. I might change that because like, I'm I have two accounts right now. I'm currently trying to decide which account to. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm uh, you know I have a personal account and I have that Frizzy Artist account and I'm mm-hmm. working on figuring out my identity right now. So those two accounts are like visuals mm-hmm. of who the heck am I? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're figuring it out. So you're you've been a largely an academic painter a modern academic painter that's how I'd categorize Mm -hmm. like what I've seen of your paintings of of that type of work have you ever gotten to see academic paintings like historic ones in person no I haven't I was supposed to um go study abroad but a broad named COVID came and screwed it all up so I hit senior year in the last semester of my senior year we all the school was finally starting to get it back on its feet and allow, you know, more normal things to happen. It was far, fairly too late for me to study abroad and get that chance. So I was planning on doing it when I got out of college, and then I realized that I need to have a base, a home base. So right now I'm working on finding what home base is Aaron's home base to continue since kindergarten on that cafeteria table. What's my kindergarten at that cafeteria table? Mm-hmm. 
I have to ask that because I'm mm. I'm more of an art historian mm. and um, I've had the chance to see academic paintings oh, in France us. at the Louvre. Like not to just make you miserable in the moment. <laughs> no, I will love this. There's such like an ethereal quality to these paintings, to mm-hmm. those, to the way that they use um, the layered oil paints, um, where you can see pictures of them and they're just beautiful and they're mm-hmm. like really, really skillfully done. Like they're trying to do one thing, which at that time period in the 1800s, they were like, this is you're all trying to like achieve the best version of this style of painting and that's what will make you the best artist and mm-hmm. we don't have room in the schools or that was the issue that we referenced earlier to give people a little bit of a lesson like they didn't have room in the schools or in professional careers for people who weren't going to work on this type of painting mm-hmm. but those that did it they're like spending their whole life trying to do this style of painting as well as possible mm-hmm. and these things like glow they're amazing oh my God. in person. And I, I, I used to be pretty obsessed with the academics. I was as just getting to see them in person, having that chance. So, man. You oh will. Man. I, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, come on. Yeah, I will. I'm going to find my way up there anyways because you know how bad I want to see that? Like, mm-hmm. it literally was a dream of mine. Like, if I was this inspired by a slide, a blurry slide, they were that beautiful. Like, you can literally see them. I would probably cry if I was able to see an academic painting. Mm-hmm. Ah, but we're in this transition. Like, we're transitioning right now. <laughs> so here's a very art, artist question. But mm-hmm. So these academicists would spend one to sometimes, like, seven years painting a painting. Mm-hmm. Are you a really slow, meticulous painter, or are you, a, like, a rapid painter? I'm both. Um, I have, like I mentioned earlier, I have ADHD. And with my issues with ADHD is I have a hard time focusing Mm-hmm. Very hard time. I get distracted fairly easily. I can't sit still when I sit. And painting and art, or art in the beginning and then painting, mm-hmm. were the only things that slowed me down. <laughs> the only things that were able to have my full focus. And I think that's like hyper-focus is what they call it. I don't know. I just learned it was called hyper-focus. But I'm hyper-focusing on the process of painting. So I guess, yeah, the academic paintings, like that style of painting, I was in a course called Mass, I think it was uh, Masters. It was like painting for Mass. I I Mm -hmm. wish our mirror was going to kill me, but it was on a mirror. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was Masters painting, you know, and and she taught us how the Masters painted and that kind of like full-fledged my um, BFA work that focuses on the academic paintings. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that technique was like perfect for like my ADHD, like slowed me down and it was very fun to do for me. That's really interesting. So there's something like healing. Yeah, very much healing. Artwork. Slowed me down. Like my brain was quiet. It was very like self-medicating. <laughs> That's incredible. So what are your, I think we've kind of covered this in a general sense. We've talked about like your goals of where you're trying, what you're trying to find and mm-hmm. learn and cultivate at the moment. What do you feel like are your goals for your artwork? Man, to just keep growing, <laughs> to keep surprising me. When I when my, when you asked if I was a raptor slow painter, and I said both, is because right now I'm working on. Well, and at the end of my senior year, I rapidly would paint a painting. I would put it on the floor and I would throw crap at it. Like I would just throw things at the canvas, and it would just be organic because I had an issue with control in my first couple of years of college, and that was my main issue because I was so hyper focused on those paintings that I just didn't want to lose control in them at all. So um, after much consultation from you know Christian, Reben, Amira, and everyone and my peers, I was like, okay, well I'm just gonna lose control. So I put it on the floor. 
floor, and I'll just do random crap, very rapid, very emotionally stimulated. And um, then I'll go off on meticulous painting work and hone in on it a little more. And that technique has, right now in my studio, I'm working on a couple, or just one painting right now because I'm trying to figure out my life. So I'm working on one big painting right now that's teaching me and surprising me every time I kind of go back to it because it has all those different emotions into it. I painted it very, I started it very angry. There's Mm -hmm. three holes in it. (laughs) (laughs) It's on my TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thinking of making a longer video kind of discussing it, but it's taking me like months. It's teaching me a lot of things. So it's like a little mentor. It's been a couple months now. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I want to see that. So where can um, listeners find more of your work? So I'm under that frizzy artist on Instagram and TikTok, and that's where I'm mostly at. At the moment, I'm just posting stories right now, just kind of feel out. Like I said, my my digital, there's a digital identity that you have to have online. You could be very diverse online, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's a little slow, but that's where you can find me. And I'm working on my website. Don't look up my website, thatfreezyartist.com, but don't look it up yet because it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> It's, it's it's up there for a reason, but it's not done yet. It's ugly. <laughs> so that pretty art, that frizzy artist. Mm-hmm. Look at Instagram. Don't look at the website. Don't look at website. And TikTok. <laughs> and TikTok. All right. Mm-hmm. You're listening to ninety point seven WEHC. This has been Art Speaks, a production from the William King Museum of Art. We just had an interview with local artist um, Erin Fitzgerald, local young and upcoming yeah, um, artist. Look into her work. Um, come check out the museum. We're open seven days a week. And tune in next Thursday at 1 p.m. to hear more of Art Speaks. Thank you.